Welcome to No Truck Stops, a Pac-12 basketball and football podcast off-season edition. We are back on the main feed for this uh, special, special, quote-unquote, special episode talking about uh, some media out there on the Pac-12-averse. Joining me, as always, is Avery at Brave Grapes. Hello. Uh, Matt at No Pit Stops. Go Knights, baby. Go get Stanley. And for the last time, Reed at MF underscore Reed. What's good? Uh, we're here to talk about... Uh, <laughs> you have an Oregon baseball intro right there. Come on, Reed. Come Be on, better. Reed. Come on, Reed. Thought you were an Oregon guy. Anyway, we are talking about uh, the 30 for 30 on Bill Walton. I think it was called The Luckiest Guy in the World. Uh, it's a two-part episode, uh, two-episode thing. I don't know. Two-episode special, whatever it is. Two episodes... An hour long each. We are recording this after watching the first hour and being bored out of our fucking minds. So we will talk about. Oh, uh, we will talk about the first hour of that. We'll also maybe talk a little. I was just bored because I was with you. I didn't. <laughs> what, what, what about this Bill Walton show? Very cool. Uh, and then we'll talk about maybe the Pac-12 Media Day. Uh, we'll talk about some Twitter discourse on the funniest moments in Pac-12 history. See if y'all agree with the tweet that I put out there. We'll talk about that real quick. But first, let's just dive right into the Bill Walton Thirty for Thirty. Uh, this was a this was announced, I think, last year before uh, Bill Walton did his went on his rants against homeless folks, and uh, Bill Walton had sort of been part of this. This is a two episode special, two hours long, documenting, I guess, Bill Walton's life and all of his injuries and all of his and him being a hippie, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and we finished the first hour. We did not make it through the second hour uh, because it was just really – I think it was tough to watch for several reasons. Let's first get the get this out of the way. We obviously have fallen out of favor. Uh, Bill Walton has fallen out of favor with us, I guess I should say, uh, because he, he – in the summer of 2022 went on some seriously insane – rants about homeless folks we talked about that at length when that happened because you know this podcast is called no truck stops we own it now uh but uh bill walton bill walton said it first so anyway we uh that that is out there uh we should we will probably almost certainly that will come up but i just thought i'd put that out there since you know it didn't really it's not this this series was never going to talk about that. But anyway, so what I wanted to do is get y'all's first honest reactions about that hour of television that you all watched. We can start with Avery. Avery, what did you think an hour in in this uh, two-hour special? I think that nothing happened the entire thing. It was just a lot of talking. I will say, disclaimer, I am drunk. But personally, (laughs) (laughs) nothing happened at all. And the title is very strange. Obviously, we didn't watch the second half, but like the luckiest guy in the world. And then all the only interesting thing we hear about the whole episode is him just being injured for the first few years of his professional career. I don't get it. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it was not. It was a it was a tough watch. Reed, what did you think as you were watching this? You jumped on a little bit late. Just that 30 for 30s suck now. They're so goddamn bloated. There's no reason for this to be two parts. It was just like a bunch of old people going around. People who consistently, every person who walked out, were like, holy shit, how is this person still alive? Whether it's his mom or his high school coach. And then they're just like muttering about old stories about some game he played and how it was the best sports performance they've seen. And 
then montages of the Grateful Dead and tie-dye filters over Bill Walton interviews. And just like uh, not much substance there at all. Matt, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I just like the sports life here isn't the interesting part. Right. Like that's that's what was most bothersome to me is I'm okay with a two hour special on Bill Walton. I think that there is lifelong like substance there to be able to fill two hours in a very similar way to the fact that like outside of the sports stuff with Michael Jordan, there was at least two or three hours of non basketball stuff about his life that I absolutely think exists for Bill Walton. And the fact that we just spent 50 percent of that just talking about how good UCLA was. Like, really cool. We already know that. Like, this isn't – Connor in, our, in the live watch-along talked about how it was like, this is just his Wikipedia page. Like, I don't th- – this is all the very well-known stuff about his sporting, you know, achievements and whatever that this isn't the intriguing part. When are we going to actually get to the interesting stuff? And I think that that is very much where I take away that you go into it with relatively high hopes and it has completely missed the mark so far. Obviously, there's a second hour to come that I definitely want to watch that I'm, I would assume will touch some of that because there's really not much else basketball stuff for them to hit on. But I mean, to know that it's like, okay, so then why didn't we, why did we even touch on the basketball stuff? Like, there was no purpose in that. It felt like this whole hour, the first hour of this 30 for 30 was like, you could condense that to about 15 minutes to set us up for. And then, like, really shit, horrible shit happened to Bonnie. So so for those who didn't watch this first hour, we start with Bill Walton kind of talking about his Blazer days and what it was like being in Portland and how he's a very Portland type of person and his demeanor and the way he dressed and his interests and him being a hippie, et cetera, et cetera. Go on to talk a little bit about his high that school. That part was great. <laughs> they talked a little bit about his high school career. You know, they turn into like showing his that the fact that his mom is still alive, which is like fucking ridiculous to me. Uh, but his mom is still alive, and they were like, "What the hell?" Uh, and then his mom is just Bill Walton in a white wig. Can we get Bill Walton's birth certificate, please? Like, I actually want to see this thing. Yeah, yeah, he's seven years old. It's, I mean, I guess it's not that far fetched. His mom is probably, I don't know, like ninety five. I have no idea, but. And then and then we go into his career at UCLA and talking about John Wooden and how so dominant they were, a story we've heard over and over again. I don't think anyone who's at all connected to sports in any way, like, of course they know about the John Wooden UCLA years, but yes, of course, Bill Walton was dominant. They beat the shit out of every team they played, blah, 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 blah. And then they go in, they end with, uh, and his first two years in Portland were bad because he was always injured and they blamed him for a bunch of stuff and that's where they leave us off. That whole thing could have been 15 minutes, I think. Like 15 minutes to, and his body breaks down. And, uh, you know, there's some interest, that I do think there is some interesting stuff about Bill Walton's life. Like, for example, the fact that his body was breaking down, the fact that he, like, couldn't walk for a very long time or... Uh, had a hard time standing up because his back was just fucked up. Had several back surgeries, I think. Uh, you know, later into his career as a broadcaster, like a- apparently this story had had, had kind of come out that he had uh, ha- had either attempted or considered attempting suicide um, because he couldn't do it. And then, you know, finally found something that was able to fix his back and was able to live a normal life. Like, there's all kinds of shit there that I think is his time as a hippie. Like, fine, let's get into that. And 
you know, even even unearthing his <laughs> they were never going to do this because Bill Walton would never do it. But, uh, you know, unearthing how he became what he is now politically, uh, his place in San Diego. There's so much stuff to talk about. And we just spent two hours, an hour on the most basic basketball shit. It was it was it was uh, it was tough. And to your point, uh, Reed, the 30 for 30s are not good anymore. And Matt was kind of talking about that, too. Well, and the and the trailer for this entirely was like we're going to talk about like how much of a like political servant and like politically involved he is and all that kind of stuff. So like there's it to to have that be what led into the episode and then it just be about his basketball career was was, was very much missed the mark for me. Yeah, maybe they get more into that in the second hour, but it's like it, this did not need to be two hours. It just feels like a weird cash grab <laughs> yeah they got they have content to fill um some other interesting notes here uh his wife was super young uh i i did not like i knew i, I don't know i feel like i've seen Lori walton's wife but we were just shocked when we were seeing the pictures of her and like I, there's nowhere you can't find her age anywhere on the internet she's not like a big public figure she is known almost exclusively as bill walton's wife um, she has not seemed to have had any problems with that. I think for a while before Bill Walton even got a Twitter account, um, his wife would tweet updates about where Bill was. Like, I think it was at Al- Lori M. Walton, right? Like, and that was sort of it. Um, that's the only thing we ever divulged. They got married in 1990. So 33 years ago, I like can't imagine she was older than 20 years old when they met. Right. Hey, there's nothing wrong with getting married at 20. Let's take it easy. Yeah. At that point, he was like, what, 49, 50, something like that. Uh, I guess Might it would be have been a little bit wrong with that. <laughs> he would have been if he's 70 now and that was 33 years ago. What would he have been? 47 in his mid 40s. Yeah. 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 Late 40s. So uh, anyway, so that was pretty weird. Um, but let's talk about this. I did. I do think there's something that y'all had brought up about and I haven't watched a 30 for 30 in a minute. Because they're all so bad, Reed. You brought that up. Like they're bad. The and Alex Smith to- one was good, but I think that's just because it's a f- fucking insane story. And I think most of the people they're doing thirty for thirties on, like, don't have actually like really fucking cool stories. I mean, Bill Walton has cool stories. It just, I guess they, that's true. You know, right. like there is some very interesting stories uh, that you can be told. Isn't that only supposed to be thirty minutes long? No, the 30 for 30 used to be no, no. what the 30 for 30s were. 30 directors, 30 films. Uh, yeah. Okay. The, the, and the whole thing was that you had these, it started, it started this way. And then capitalism, of course, ruins everything because it got, got successful. It started with like, uh, like untold stories or, mm-hmm. or very lesser told forgotten stories about sports. And wasn't it like, for the 30th year of ESPN too? It was yeah, something ESPN's like that. ESPN's 30th yeah. anniversary in 2009. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you had some really interesting stories that, you know, we don't really talk about. Uh, For example, Len Bias, uh, who died after being selected second overall in the NBA draft. Reggie Miller and his rivalry with the New York Knicks. Things that if you lived through them at the time, you're like, oh, yeah, that was a big thing, but we don't talk about it anymore. Like, that's what 30 for 30s were. And now they're, you know. Silly. I forget that a bunch of people are like 12 years old. The original 30 for 30s is what The Last Dance was. Like everybody talks about how amazing like the footage that they had for The Last Dance and the actual like uncut interviews and real like genuine interviews with people. Like 
Scottie Pippen talking about how much he actually really doesn't like Michael Jordan and stuff like that. Like that's what every single 30 for original 30 for 30 was like. They all hit. They were so good. Yeah, it was it was stuff you hadn't seen. And that was the issue with this was all of it. You could have read on Wikipedia or looked up some YouTube video about his years at UCLA. Like it was all stuff that is easily accessible and well-known and almost nothing behind the scenes and very little good footage from the past the either. The only thing that I thought was interesting and something I hadn't seen before were like interviews with young Bill Walton and like kind of hearing about him. And, you know, he had talked, he talks about his stutters on the broadcast and you kind of can hear it a little bit in the actual um, interviews that they did with him when they were younger, but that's about it. I mean, and the only other thing they dropped, like kind of a little nugget. I don't know if this was well known. I, I it, it wasn't known to me that the Blazers apparently didn't believe him that he was, you know, hurt. That they just thought he was lying, which is actually an interesting insight. You could have that could have been blown up rather than thrown in at the end as a cliffhanger. But um, you know, I, that's that's how I feel about you know Bill Walton. Is kind of already a figure. He they know ESPN knows he has kind of a, a cult following and. They decide to tell a story, and the story they tell is literally shit that you could find on the Wikipedia page. This is a Wikipedia documentary. Uh, that's what this is, and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, kind of, I don't know, poorly told. Like, I think you could probably tell a story about Bill Walton in a very interesting way, um, and they didn't. I, I was thinking about the, um, you know, the June seventeenth, nineteen ninety four, that documentary about the O.J. Simpson car chase. Like a brilliant, I, I think if I remember correctly, that 30 for 30 had zero commentary. Like he, mm -hmm. they literally, he literally just spliced together clippings of news and footage at the time. And that was yeah. it, but did it in a way that really told the story was compelling and really immersed you. And, uh, it, you know, that would have been an interesting way to tell the story. Literally anything other than just scripting it off of his Wikipedia and asking him a bunch of questions. To me, it feels like they approach this with everybody knows Bill Walton, the sportscaster and like the hippie, but like he was actually a really good basketball player too. Let's tell that story, which I just, yeah. it just terrible. <laughs> yeah. That's so boring. So dumb. Anyway, any other thoughts about, I mean, it's just like, I don't even have a good number of interesting notes uh, here. It's like his mom was alive. He was very Portland. His high school coach is alive. He was quiet. He has a lot of bobbleheads uh, in his house, so it's real true. Yeah. yeah, he's a hoarder. He sell it or whatever. <laughs> yeah, he he loves the Grateful Dead. They had a whole 10-minute segment on how he loves the Grateful Dead. I'm like, come the fuck on. Holy shit. Ugh, terrible. I, and I think, we, and honestly, I think we would have said this. I think we would have agreed with all of this, even if we didn't fall out of love with Bill Walton. Like, this would have been boring regardless. <laughs> Yeah, I would have liked something interesting that I didn't already know, other than he has a lot of really old people in his life that yeah. are still alive. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so that's the 30 for 30 documentary. I don't think I'm going to go back and finish. I, here's the thing. The second part will have all the interesting stuff, but I don't trust that they're going to tell it in a very interesting way. I think we'll just get a retelling of, oh, wow, he was really fucked up, and, you know, that's about it. I think that's all we'll get. So... Uh, let's go on to a couple of other things since we've got some extra time here. Uh, <laughs> we haven't talked about this on our end because it hasn't really mattered and it still doesn't matter, but it is worth checking in and saying we still don't have a Pac-12 media deal. 
I don't know if y'all remember, but we were supposed to have one. Remember the first time they were like, all right, they're definitely going to have one. They've, they've got to have one, and they're going to announce it and talk about it at the Pac-12 basketball tournament. Pac-12 basketball tournament uh, came and went, nothing. Uh, and then it was, oh, oh, but the real deadline, the real deadline here, it's got to be by the end of March. <laughs> <laughs> end of March came, nothing. Uh, and then it just kept going on and on and on. And here we are at June 6th as we record this. Absolutely nothing. We were supposed to have our, we scheduled our, you know, in-person get-together to plan for next year back in like February. And we're like, yeah, we're going to know some stuff about where the Pac-12 is by then. We don't know shit. We've had to reschedule it because I got sick um, and we've scheduled it to July. Reed, you're, you were saying that maybe there we do have a hard deadline on June 30th. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's what it sounds like is that the only thing that might hold the Pac-12's feet to the fire is that San Diego State, I think, has to announce the new league they're joining by the end of June in order to be eligible to play in 2025. And you would think that that would come uh, with without a bigger payout. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, do we have money to spare for the payout? Let's also not put it back to pass the Pac-12 to like not waste money. Let's. The idea that the Pac-12 oh, will be prudent. I mean, we're putting a lot of credit there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably true. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, it wasn't, it's not too dissimilar from last year. I mean, June 30th was when, I think, was it June 30th? I, th- I think end yeah. of June was when UCLA and USC announced, right? Um, yeah. So, and that was for similar reasons, because they mm-hmm. were coming up on the next year and probably going to be part of the negotiations. So, maybe, uh, but I don't know. If the Pac-12, if maybe this whole San Diego State to the Pac-12 thing has been bullshit this whole time, and we're actually going to come to find out the Pac-12 had never had any ideas uh, or wishes to add the pa- to add San Diego State. So, well, now it seems like the Colorado buzz to the Big 12 is as loud as ever, which is hard to believe yeah, anything God. because all the Big 12 people on Twitter just like throw misinformation at the wall and hope something sticks. But at the same time, I, I can't rule it out. For months, though, we've been hearing that Colorado is definitely, absolutely going to the Pac-12, the Big 12. Mm, I disagree. I, To me, like it has definitely gotten a lot louder for Colorado. And I specifically will say this in the sense that it's gotten a lot quieter about the Arizona schools, which to me is way more in line with, yeah, like Colorado was originally a Big 12 member, and it makes 100% sense for them to go back to the Big 12. The Arizona schools ditching for it just doesn't make sense to me. Do we ever hear no noise about things before it actually happens, though? Because I feel like, I don't know, it feels like we get a bunch of noise about what's actually going to happen, and then that doesn't happen, and something completely different happens. I don't know. I guess I'm not saying that there's no way that they're not coming to the, they're going to the Big 12, but I also feel like, I don't know, is it a completely different school that's going to the Big 12, or like, I don't know. We've been I mean, in this the is cycle all just silly like nonsense and conjecture. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have a bunch of like, like weird Twitter people out there who like really prefer to know stuff, but like, I'm convinced don't know shit. Uh, there's a lot of them. And on both the, like Twitter has kind of faction pack college football. Twitter has factioned into like big 12 leakers versus pack 12 leakers. And you have the big 12 leakers, uh, saying, Oh yeah, they're definitely going to the big 12. The, the Arizona's definitely going to the big 12. Colorado's definitely going to the big 12. It's happening. And then they'll 
put out their snide little uh, tweets about, oh, look, it says that uh, they're they're committed to the Pac-12, but uh, looking, but you know, are constantly looking out for themselves. So that means that they're definitely going to the Big Twelve. It's just, it's silly. Um, it's it's nonsense. It's annoying. Um, you know, and and the Pac-12 people do it too, right? There's several people who I'm not going to name because I don't want to give them a platform, but just constantly talking about using any sort of news to advance their own agenda because they know the fucking assistant to the associate ad and that's their leaker and they love pretending to be insiders that's what that's where all of this stuff is coming from in my opinion anyway i I think that reed's comment about like academics still playing a role here is definitely something that is interesting when you talk about schools wanting to join the pac-12 from an athletic standpoint and i specifically think about like all the stories that I read about like Utah joining the PAC 12, like everybody at the university wants to join the PAC 12. That is specifically when you're coming from like a mountain West deal, just because athletics wants to go to the big 12 doesn't necessarily mean the rest of the university does. And there's obviously a lot of, a lot of powers that play there. So I do think the academics point is interesting. And one that Reed clowned me on months ago, remember Reed, when you're like, academics don't matter. You fucking moron. Is on Twitter. Well, I can pull uh, up the tweet if you no, want. No, I just. <laughs> God. I'm Go not ahead, really Reed. Defend this. yourself. No. Carlos, do you, Carlos, do you <laughs> no, have that about... tweet ready? I'd like to hear we, it. We've no, learned. Like it. I'd like to be brought in on this. Yeah. Um, I feel no, so but... out of the loop. Yeah, yeah. This was months ago. My goodness. I'll have to. It'd be hard for me to even find it. Anyway, um, I do think, though, like the I, I did look this up because it's like, I don't know. the We're talking about these huge decisions for these universities as if they're like the biggest things going on at these schools but like their uh their budgets are tiny 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 like the athletic department budgets are tiny compared to the rest of the universities at least for some of these schools right for like for a washington for a ucla for a uc berkeley for a stanford for a usc the athletics money and revenue that they bring in is such a small percentage of the money they bring in from like research grants. Um, that is not true for schools like Oregon, nor is it true for schools like Utah. Uh, although that's changing for Utah. I do feel like that is definitely changed for Utah. So I've been wondering about the academics thing. And I remember looking up an article. Um, I was looking for any studies on this, any data. And there was a study that affiliation with, um, you know, some other schools in an athletic conference does provide some sort of reputational effect impact um, to that university. I don't know that they've clearly articulated to what extent, um, but you know, I don't know. It's there, it's something. So I have no, I have no idea the like dynamics of that. But it is interesting. I don't, I don't think those like research dollars and athletics dollars. Obviously, they don't go into like this same pie though. I think that's worth noting. I, there's a connection there, and I think it is influencing these deals. I think it's hard to see completely. I mean, obviously, like Oregon's viability as a realignment candidate has suffered a massive hit over the past year in terms of what public perception is of it. Um, but I think it's tough to sort out, like, did USC and UCLA make the jump to the Big Ten because of academics or because of their market share in terms of TV money? Uh, and is that, you know, is that same argument you could use for Washington being a candidate over Oregon? What's what like piece of that 
pie is influenced by TV shares versus academics. It's unclear yeah. to me. I will say for UCLA and USC, uh, moving to the Big Ten was a lateral move, and I think that's why they were able to make it in terms of academics. Like they're affiliating with, they're going from affiliating with Stanford and Cal to affiliating with Michigan and um, Northwestern. So like, you know, overall it's probably an upgrade. Yeah, I mean, it, within the yeah. UC system, yeah, like Cal and Stanford are great, and I think obviously because they're in California, those are the schools that people most associated USC and UCLA with before. But like overall as a conference, the Big Ten's probably an upgrade. Well, anyway, so all that to say, there's no fucking news happening in the media landscape. Let's move on to something uh, more relevant, which is my Twitter account. Um, oh, so, so we're just boosting your tweets now. That's what the podcast is. Jesus Christ. I did put out a list. I did put out a list of the funniest moments in Pac-12 history. Okay. Uh, and I wanted to get y'all's reaction. Did you see it? Did you did you guys see my tweet? Did you use my tweet? Yes, I saw the tweet. I saw No Truck Stops quote tweet of it with the actual funniest. So Let's my go. favorite part, my favorite part about our No Truck Stops Twitter is how much everybody assumes that it's Avery, like juicing her <laughs> own shit when the entire time <laughs> it's Carlos juicing his own shit the entire time. <laughs> Um, that punt though in the Washington State, no Washington Oregon State game. What was it, 2020? Uh huh. Where the punter Descri- tried to describe it. it. Describe it. <laughs> I have to do it from memory. Anyways, it was like a fucked up punt, right? And the ball's bouncing around, and instead of like the punter, it was like the best punter in the Pac-12 at the time too. Race instead Porter, of him just yeah. like following, falling on the ball. Or like trying to pick up the ball and run, he picks up the ball and tries to punt it again with an Oregon and State defender like right fucking whiffs. there, <laughs> completely whiz hits the Oregon State player. Incredible! That's my favorite Pac-12 moment of all time. That was so 2020. Avery's right. That was a big omission. Um. Yeah. Okay, here's the list. Okay, here's the list. Of, uh, should I run through the entire list or only the top 10? I'll run through only the top 10. Yes, read through it. Read, do top 10. Okay, top 10. All right, so number one, very obvious one. Very obvious. Lane, Lane Kiffin getting tarmacked. That's, the fu- that's hands down the funniest moment in Pac-12 well, that history. Was, that's pretty fucking like, funny. Like getting fired, you don't even get, you're not allowed on, like you're not allowed to get a ride on the team bus back to campus. That like changed the face of college football. Right? Didn't <laughs> isn't that where the term "getting tarmacked" came from, or has that happened earlier before nope. that? That was 100%. No, that was that was Lane Kiffin. Yes, getting Incredible. tarmacked is a yes. So we agree, right? Is there a funnier moment in Pac-12 history That's than pretty fucking waiting, funny. being up at midnight and it's like Lane Kiffin wasn't allowed on the team bus? <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, okay, okay, we all agree then. Uh, number two. UCLA, Washington State, 2019. That was the best Pac-12 game ever. And ever since then, I've just been trying to find something that's that good. Okay, and I'm my, let down. my only problem with that was, like, how funny actually was it? It was pretty funny, Did Matt. you watch the game? I did. I just, did you actually I watch the game? I did. I just, like, I... A lot of Utah fans didn't watch it because it was the same day as the Utah-USC game. 
there's just there's a certain level of like batshittery that needs to be expected in Pac-12 football. I think and, sen- and I th- scoring 70 <laughs> points is pretty crazy. Okay. But here's the th- here's the thing. I would say it's not even just the final score. It's like if you watched the game, there's a there's a sequence of like seven possessions where Wazoo just like fumbles it for no random reason <laughs> and UCLA gets an immediate touchdown. Like it was like watching basketball. Like it was so fucking stupid. Um so that that like just the way the game unfolded. I just I think what you have ranked number 5 was funnier. That that's like my only that, that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Let's keep going. 3 UW losing to Montana in the opener. It's <laughs> good. That was good. That's a really funny. good one. Especially since some people picked UW to go to the playoff. I'm not naming names. <laughs> I wonder who. I wonder who. Probably like a 10 and 2, like 11 and 1 sort of situation, right? Like that That wasn't picking them to go 12 an hour or anything. They, they just missed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Tough scene. Tough scene. Uh, number four, when Oregon blew a 31 point lead in the Alamo Bowl to TCU, that gets brought up all the time. I still see it on my. I timeline. didn't even. I don't even remember that game at all. I don't remember it much either. But I. But I definitely see screenshots of, yeah. of Oregon being up thirty-one nothing on TCU. Um, it was on like four straight possessions. How do you score thirty-one points in four straight possessions? No one knows. But that's what it was like. <laughs> it, it was really funny because Jeff Lockie was the like career backup to Mariota, and like all the. Oregon people would always like hype up like, oh, he's actually good. He's capable. And then, of course, Vernon Adams comes in. He gets injured after the first half of that game. And Jeff Lockie takes over and it's like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> OK, yeah, this guy was not Mariota. <laughs> people love saying that about backup behind elite quarterbacks. It's true. It's true. No one's ever, yeah, no one's ever like, oh boy, this dude fucking owns, but the guy after them fucking sucks. No one ever says that. Um, number five, the first 10 minutes of the 70 to 7 territorial cut between Arizona, Arizona State in 2020. <laughs> that was funny. This was ah, so good. This oh. was so fucking funny. <laughs> it felt like it was staged. It really did. It really did. Yeah, just that it was like, uh, you know, it's like you get to the point after three straight like Arizona turnovers, you're like, they're not going to turn over again, are they? And then they did. And then you're <laughs> like, there's no fucking way they turned over again, right? And then they did. And then you're like, yeah. okay, come on the fuck on. They're, they're not going to do it again. And then they fucking did. Okay, but here's where this actually got funny is on that fourth time you went, fuck it, do it again. And they fucking did. Like. <laughs> Like it got to the point that you even were like, all right, like I'm not even fading this. Let's go. <laughs> it was so good. This one's my number two. I, I think you have this one criminally underrated. Oh, it's a good one. It's a good one. I'm not sure if it, I'm not sure if it's in the uh the Pac twelve like what do you call it? The uh I don't know the 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 consciousness is often, but yeah, it's it's great. Um number six. Utah fans thinking Utah would beat 2019 LSU before getting smashed by Oregon. Extremely funny. It hit uh, me. At me, you coward. That's so true. So many Utah fans, even after they lost to Oregon, was like, "We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have lost to LSU by that many touchdowns." Coping, yeah. severe coping. Yeah, that hit me. It took part of that coping. 
<laughs> Almost certainly you did. Almost certainly you did. Yeah, the, we've got so many tweets about how LSU didn't have a defense and all this other stuff. Uh, very, very, very funny. Okay, number seven, Oregon State, 19 straight runs versus Oregon, a classic. Maybe even, I kind of wondered, maybe a little underrated, but... Oh, I think you have this overrated. I think this is recency bias. The reason I think it's so funny is because for two years, I begged every fucking episode of No Truck Stops, I begged Jonathan Smith to never pass the ball again. And when he stopped passing the ball, I was proven correct. Reed, what are your thoughts on this one? Reed, uh, funniest, no one of the funniest moments of all time, right? <laughs> <laughs> Pass. Um, number eight, the time Cal beat UW at 2 a.m. Pacific. <laughs> no one watched this, but it was I so funny. It. I absolutely watched it. Are I you kidding me? To watch it. I, I was central up. time. It was 4 a.m. for me. I didn't stay up, but waking <laughs> no up in the morning way. was the greatest <laughs> feeling of all time. I was like, there's no way. There's no way this is right. Am I looking at another sport? I thought they were going to cancel it. Like, I was like, okay, it's not coming back. Like, it's late. Like, they're not going to, they're just going to cancel this game. And so I went to sleep, but they resumed it for some fucking reason. Insane stuff. I can't believe they let that happen. Um, Number nine, when Utah player Kaylin Clay let go of the ball before reaching the end zone versus Oregon in 2014. That didn't happen ever. Oh man! Have so, I said on this podcast that I didn't even see the rest of that game because my dad broke our TV? No shit. <laughs> <laughs> I literally don't even know. I didn't watch the outcome of that game because our TV was broken after that. So I was at this. I was at this game live, and I think that like part of what makes this so funny is this was peak dropping the ball before you cross the end zone, like. Like, this was a rampant issue for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> I saw it in live time, and before the Oregon players even picked it up, I was like, I was in the stadium, and I was like, oh, fuck, he dropped it. Like, it, this <laughs> was in, like, the prime, like, you know that, like, time where it was like, oh, long field goal, kick six for, like, three years. Everybody mm-hmm. thought that was going to be the new thing. There was, like, a three-year period where if the player didn't carry the ball out of the back of the end zone, they dropped it at the two-yard line. And this was very much right in the middle of it. I was so mad. Absurd. Yeah, I remember, you know, the thing about that game that people don't really remember aside from that was it was like, it was at a critical moment because Utah was, they were putting an early beating on they Oregon. Been they were 14 up. up. They would have been up 14 to no. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 14 to nothing. And the rest of the game, you know, Oregon obviously kind of took care of them, but it was worth for mo- most of the game. <laughs> like it was not, it was a blowout, but like it was, it was pretty back and forth after Utah had gotten its bearings. I'm not saying Utah would have won that game, but like Utah would have won that game. I don't. <laughs> so that was a, no. a very funny moment. <laughs> Number 10. The time that the Pac-12 offices called in to overturn a call in the middle of the USC Wazoo game. What's his name? I've forgotten his name. I, I forgot his name, too. I don't remember. Uh, Pac-12 Woody, Central. Woody something? Oh, my God. Woody. You're I want right. to say Haroldson. Oh That's obviously not right. No, that is obviously Woody Dixon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. And I don't even think we didn't know about this until later, much later, right? That yeah. he... 
Yeah, he was he like was in the offices and called down and I, said, "Hey, you got to overturn that call." Wasn't it much later? I feel like it was only like a year later or a week later. Oh, a week? I don't think it was. I thought a it week. was a few out, weeks like, later. Next week. You're right. It was it was that same year. So I think it must have been only a, maybe I think maybe a month later. Um. Yeah, crazy stuff. That was extremely funny when that out, and I was like, uh, "Okay, cool." Back twelve refs is a is a thing. Any other moments come to mind, or any other moments you think should have been ranked higher? I have a couple Utah specific ones that I just find hilarious. I have three of them. I don't know where you actually rank them. The um, the fake kick. Avery was going. Thank God! Thank God for Michael Mothershed. She was kind of. Oh. It, was, it was thank God for Michael Mothershed. Oh, 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 oh! It was really good. Yeah, that That's was a, a really good one. one. Wow, I forgot. <laughs> um, the fake U- universe, the Utah fake punt return in um, in Otson in like the seventy to seven oh, game. Yeah, that was good. Um, that was somewhat funny. Uh, the I think it was in twenty sixteen at home playing against Arizona. And they fault started no less than ten plays in a row. It was first and goal from the like from their own, I don't know, like twenty-three. Um, that was really good. Uh then the other one is the game after the Oregon blowout in Otson, Utah going to USC and Travis Wilson deciding that he is just going to spend the entire game throwing the ball right to Cam Smith. <laughs> Good ones. Uh, Avery, what about you? Funniest uh, funniest moments that you either think were too low on this list or the ones that came to mind? My, thank God for Michael Mothershed is a good yeah, one. Yeah, thank God for Michael Mothershed was really fucking funny. Oh, man. I'm trying to think what else happened recently that was really... I feel like just all of the 2020 season, every fucking game was yeah, weird nonsense. as hell. And I, it's just because like the teams couldn't practice, literally. Oh, we um, forgot about Stanford practicing in like a public park. During oh, 2020. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. My God, I can't. And then they won, right? They beat Washington, I think. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> there was a, in 2020, Utah was destroying Washington at halftime with Jake Bentley and Washington came back and beat them. Uh-huh. That was funny. Reed, what about you? You got any, uh, you got any uh, funny moments? worth elevating you had a you had a further down but oregon stanford 2021 was one of the funniest games of all time for sure it was painful for me but that was uh, an insane final uh, two minutes that was hilarious that was the one where it was officially like okay there's no fucking reason that stanford should upset oregon this time like it is just vibes and it still happened was was the Oregon State Stanford 2020? Okay, actually, okay, I have two. Was the Oregon State Stanford 2023 game? Was that the Minnesota or 2022? Was that the Minnesota catch? Miracle? Yeah, yes. Yeah. The catch that was just unfucking real that should not have happened with those receivers. Uh, the other thing that, like, this is actually, Carlos, you're in trouble for this. Um, the witchcraft of 2021. Like Avery being an absolute witch with the that was with crazy. The bad games. Oh, those first seven, those first seven weeks where it was just picking the most insane shit and hitting every single time. <laughs> oh my god, delicious, so good. Oh man, people were fucking losing their minds. Ah, uh, it's gone now. <laughs> Magic's dead. She 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 gave up Mormonism and thus the witchcraft with it. <laughs> 
Joseph Smith doesn't speak to me anymore. <laughs> Avery, do what's best here. <laughs> uh, those are some of our funniest moments in Pac-12 history. That was a uh, a lot of fun, a lot of fun discourse. If you're interested to go uh, engage with my tweet, I guess I should have posted that from the No Truck Stops account, but I wasn't sure if it was going to get numbers. Anyway, that's it. That's all I have. Thank you for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this special main episode feed. Remember, we have Patreon stuff. Uh, I know we didn't actually post any Patreon stuff this week, and this is a main episode, but Patreon, we're posting our historical recaps all the time. We're all, we're, po- we're doing some historical game rewatches sometimes. We haven't done one in a little bit, though. We should do, or I think we got Oregon, Arizona 2009 on the docket, so we'll, we'll get to that um, and so much more. So go check that out. And then uh, what we're two weeks away now, two weeks, two months away. August first week of August is when we start our Pac-12 football previews. Those will be fun. Uh, we'll we'll get to talking about the actual football season that's going to come up. But for now, we're just enjoying ourselves, vibing over on Patreon. Go check us out there. Thanks again for listening to this episode. That's Matt. That's Reed. I'm Carlos. We uh, wish you all the best in the next couple of months. We'll see. We'll see what new schools we add. I guess if we have an emergency podcast, we'll drop something. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> Keep ending it wrong. Uh, thank you for listening. <laughs> for listening for the third fucking time. I've really got to figure out. I've got to write a script for these exits, man. I always hey. with them. <laughs> it's it's summer conditioning for everyone. Summer conditioning for podcast too. It's okay. <laughs> Remember, there are no truck stops here. Not even one. Bye. <laughs> In the cup is kicking and my patience and everything Said I'm lonelier than a single sex on a quiet city street Things aren't always green or on the sunny side of the street And I don't mind if the sun don't shine Bloody weather suits me fine Pouring up the best wine on the boat tonight I think I'll be a superstar